Chattahoochee, copyright 2023, by Randy Cooper. All rights reserved. No parts of this podcast may be used or reproduced by any means without the expressed written permission of the author. Chattahoochee, Chapter 20. I was headed up Roswell Road going back to the office when an idea struck me. I called Tyra. Hey, what's going on? Not much, she paused. I knew she was reading me. Her brain was calculating the tone and inflection of my voice, even my choice of words. Having a partner is like having a spouse. They get to know you very well. They don't have to say much, but you can pretty much figure out their state of mind. I was going over the ME's report on Jane Doe and checking missing persons in other metros trying to get an ID on our latest victim. Do you think you can do without me for a little while longer? There's someone I need to visit. I needed to reveal what was going on so she didn't think I was stepping out on her. This is something personal. Nothing to do with the case. Sure. Take your time, Craig. You know where to find me. Thanks, Tyra. I won't be long. I hung a right off Roswell Road and drove to St. Jude's. I touched the outside of my pants pocket and felt my rosary. I always had a conscious fear of losing it. It meant a great deal to me. A few minutes later, I pulled into St. Jude's and drove to the back of the parking lot past the education building where the offices are located. I've been to Father O'Connor's office many times over the years, mostly in times of crisis. He's helped me many times, and he's always made himself available to me. He was instrumental in my recovery after my divorce. I walked into a large anteroom that contained a single desk. There was an older woman seated behind the desk, which didn't seem odd, as many of the secretarial duties were performed by volunteers, often elderly retired people. She slowly organized the paperwork she was working on into neat piles and addressed me. May I help you? Yes, is Father O'Connor available? May I tell him who's calling? Yes, this is Craig Dvorak. A voice boomed from behind the cracked door to the hidden office. Just don't stand out there chatting her up. Come on in and have a seat. It's been years. The lady walked me into Father Dan's office. Is it too early for us to have a snort together? He offered a shot of Irish whiskey. The old woman looked scornfully. Mind your manners now, Father, or I'll report you to the Cardinal and you'll be serving the host in the Aleutians. She laughed and closed the ornate double doors of his office. Father Dan stood from behind his desk as I entered and shook my hand. Behind him was a large set of tall windows looking out onto a well-tended courtyard filled with flowering plants and greenery. In the middle of the courtyard was a life-size statue of the Blessed Virgin, surrounded by flagstone. On the wall to the left was a built-in bookcase, covering the entire wall, filled with all types of religious and counseling books. The wall to the right displayed a huge photograph, encased in a glass picture frame, which showed a raging sea fighting against towering rock cliffs, topped by a deep, rich, green grass, his beloved Ireland. Me Emerald Isle, he commented, seeing me admiring the picture. It's beautiful. Well, me boy, of course it's beautiful. You don't think I'd post a picture of our wonderful Irish rubbish pits? He laughed. 
What can I help you with today, my son? As he sat down, I noticed how his barrel chest filled the chair. Well into his seventies now, his size, strength, and vigor would still intimidate almost any man. Well, father, I came to discuss my spirituality. He looked at me perplexed. Whatever you do mean, lad. I'm not sure, father. I just know I'm not where I want to be. And why is that? I don't know. If you're not where you want to be, then you need a change of direction. Are you saying you no longer feel close to God? Yes, Father. Well, this reminds me of an old story. An older couple are riding in a pickup truck, and they're stopped at a traffic light. They look next to them, and they see a young couple sitting in a pickup truck right next to them. This young couple is scrunched up right next to one another. The woman looks over at the husband and says, How come we don't sit like that anymore? The husband looks at her and says, Woman, I'm not the one that moved. His booming laughter filled the room. Craig, do you understand? I shook my head. God has not moved. It is you that moved away from him. He paused and stood up. He turned with his back to me, looking out at the courtyard. Did you have trouble finding the parish today? He asked without turning around. Now it was my turn to look confused. No, father. Of course you didn't. The parish hasn't moved either. And neither has the church. For over two thousand years the church has stood firm. Christ told Peter, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I looked again at the picture of Ireland and those tall rocky cliffs. The sea had been beating against those rocks for centuries upon centuries, and would until the end of the world. The Bible tells us that God will never leave you or forsake you. Like the old man in the pickup truck, he hasn't moved, you have. If you want to be closer to God, it is you that will have to make the effort. He created us as creatures of free will. To worship him or reject him is our choice. Do you know what you need to do? I have an idea. Ideas must be endorsed with action. An idea is simply a thought. An idea accomplishes nothing. Imagine if da Vinci had an idea and never acted on it, or Galileo, or Edison. I understand, Father. There was a soft knock at the door. The old woman peeked in timidly. I'm sorry to interrupt. Father, there's a call for you that you simply must take. Yes, yes, of course. Craig, would you excuse me for a moment? This must be important. Sure, Father, no problem. As I returned to the anteroom, the woman apologized again to me. The walls of the anteroom were covered with pictures of graduates of catechism classes Father O'Connor had taught over the years. The pictures filled three walls. Each picture had rows of boys and girls dressed in robes for their first communion. A legend underneath identified each child by name according to their position. The old woman walked with me as I perused the pictures. They're like his children, she commented and smiled. I quickly found my class picture and she noticed. You were a handsome boy who grew into a very handsome man. I felt embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. Aw shucks. I was looking at a picture under mine when a face struck me as familiar, but I couldn't place it. I looked at the legend. Hmm, how interesting, I commented. What's that? The old woman responded. Todd Cravens, 
I wasn't aware he was a member of our parish. Yes, he was. Was? Yes, he never returned after the unfortunate incident. Incident? What incident? The incident with Father Donovan, she said in a whispered voice. My whole body froze and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I remember now. Father Donovan was convicted of molesting young boys in the parish. My mind raced. Could this be it? Could Todd Cravens be our killer, or was I jumping to conclusions once again? I had to check it out. Please tell Father O'Connor I had to leave, I said as I rushed out. Is anything wrong? she asked. No, nothing at all, and I left. I called Tyra and told her to meet me in the parking lot, and then called John Maxwell. John, I need a favor. You about reach your credit limit on favors, Craig. I need you to keep Todd Cravens at work. Don't let him leave. I don't have the authority to detain people. Figure something out. Just keep him there. I'll do my best. I picked Tyra up, and we headed over to Carzone Software. I told her what I had discovered. She agreed it was worth pursuing. My phone rang. Craig, it's John. Shoot. Too late. He's already left for the day. Hey, thanks anyway, John. Anytime. Hey, did you get the tickets? Yes, they're great seats. One thing nice about the Benz is almost every seat is a great seat. So what size jersey you need? 2X will be fine. Super, you can borrow one of mine. Looking forward to it, pal. Me too. We hung up, and at that particular moment, I'd forgotten all about my hunt for a killer, and I was envisioning the humiliation I would feel having to wear that Saints jersey. I had Tyra look up the address for Craven's house, and we drove over there. The house was located in a neighborhood off Roswell Road, just south of the Chattahoochee. As we turned off Roswell Road, we drove right by the river house. The coincidence did not go unnoticed. When we pulled into the neighborhood, we observed that the location was almost midpoint between where the first and third bodies were discovered. Talk about shitting where you live, I said. Craig! Tyra scowled at me. It's just an expression. We found Craven's house, but nobody was home. Things once again weren't panning out like they do in the movies. We stayed until the surveillance team arrived and gave instructions to detain Mr. Cravens for questioning and call us immediately. I also contacted the SWAT commander and gave him a physical description of Cravens and his automobile for him to disseminate among the site surveillance teams. We headed south on Roswell Road when I noticed the rusty nail on the left. It used to be one of my favorite watering holes. I realized it's been days since I'd had a drink and I really didn't miss it. We stopped at Chili's for dinner, which is so close to the office we could see it. We started eating dinner when Tyra said, I feel good about this. Me too. It just kind of makes me sick to my stomach, I said. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you find something out that you really didn't want to know? Exactly. After dinner, we returned to the office. While we waited for Cravens to show up at his home, we took a look at the Donovan investigation. It was very difficult for me to deal with. Not only did this involve a Catholic priest, but it happened in my parish, where I grew up. Throughout the history of the church, clergy members have been guilty of despicable acts, even popes. 
I reminded myself that acts of this nature are not limited to my denomination, but all churches of faith have faced similar problems from time to time. As we studied the specifics of the case, I tried to imagine what Todd Cravens must have gone through and the lasting damage that would be with him the rest of his life. The park at Morgan Falls is less than a mile from the North Fulton Annex building. The entrance, in fact, is almost right across the street. A long, narrow drive leads past a landfill, and a half a mile later, it ends into a large parking lot. The river bends into a dogleg as it passes the parking lot. Toward the end of the lot, where the road is, there's a large hydroelectric dam. Past the parking lot, after the river bends, the landscape rises to form sheer rock cliffs. The opposite bank of the river is flat and heavily wooded. It is here that Mike Stevens and Frank Reed have selected as their OP, or observation post. Mike and Frank share a history of military experience, common of virtually all SWAT members. Additionally, Mike and Frank are both former Marines and claim their unit as the 2nd Marine Division headquartered at Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina, although they weren't there at the same time. Both are also graduates of Marine Sniper School, conducted about 20 miles south of Camp Lejeune at an isolated rifle range off US-17, just south of Marine Corps Air Station New River. Many early mornings and many thousands of taxpayer dollars were spent teaching these men their craft to invade and enter an area, lie in stealth for hours on end, annihilate a target, and escape like the wind. These men are masters of their trade. The discipline required is incalculable. Their physical needs must be sacrificed often in order to accomplish their mission. Most men find that they cannot do it. They cannot find the self-control within themselves that's required for this job. The flip side of the coin is there is not a high demand in the civilian world for trained assassins. They feel very fortunate to have found a home. They feel very fortunate to have found a home in SWAT. They do not, however, feel altogether fortunate this evening. It was their second night in a row lying prone in the woods from dusk to dawn. The only communication is hushed whispers. They survey the parking lot on the far side of the river through their NVGs, night vision goggles. Objects are displayed in shades of green. The dam off to their left, the cliffs across the river to the right, following the river which bends behind them. This is their second night in a row of watching drunks, prostitutes, drug users, and lovers use this parking lot for their own purient purposes. They carefully take notes and record each vehicle as it enters and leaves including make, model, and tag number. If one or more persons exit a vehicle, the spotter, sniper team goes into action. Drunks taking a piss or somebody discarding a recently used condom out of their car window have no clues that the crosshairs of an M14 rifle loaded with high-velocity ammunition is being trained on them. That with the pull of a finger, their head or limb would be severed from their body. The park is officially closed at sundown, but traffic remains steady even on weeknights until 11 or 12, with only occasional visitors after that. This is largely due to routine police patrols, 
to discourage the usage of the park after hours. Police routinely stop, search, and often arrest violators on other charges, but if no contraband is found, they're just issued a ticket for trespassing, which carries a $25 fine. Tonight, though, there will be no patrols at this park or any other along the river. All shift watch commanders have been instructed to discontinue patrols until further notice. No reason is given, but experienced officers smile with silent understanding. They know they're waiting for a killer. Tyra and I were still at the station. We decided to camp out and wait until Cravens came home, but it was after midnight now. We were busy, however, making trips to the break room to get coffee and to the restroom to get rid of it. When would Cravens get home? We weren't sure, but we prayed we wouldn't be called to another body in the morning. 